that whole experience was awful. They even had put fentanyl in my IV at one point during that labor because I was screaming at them so much. And the, like the nurse, once they did that epidural, wouldn't let me get up and would push me back on the bed. I was just angry. I was so angry that I couldn't move. I was so angry that nobody was listening to me. Danielle, welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Birth Journeys podcast. Today we have Rosalia on and she's going to be sharing her birth stories with us. Um, Hi, Rosalia. Thank you for coming on and sharing your stories. Hi, thank you. <laughs> Why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I am a stay-at-home mom right now. I don't really know what to say about myself. <laughs> uh, but um, I have four living children, and we have had eight angels um, along the way. Uh, I've been married for six years and we've been together since high school. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what to say or how to <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Just, just a little bit about yourself. Um, so my first question is, where would you like to say that your birth journey began? Um, I honestly think that it began more as you know in the the years of high school that you're um deciding what you're gonna do in college mm-hmm. I kind of decided that I was just gonna be alone forever <laughs> and <laughs> uh because like my my growing up was not great and I didn't want to carry on those things um but uh, God had other plans <laughs> And uh, mm-hmm. I met my husband. We actually decided not to have children until our 30s, um, which didn't happen either. We d- we got married and we're like, we're married. <laughs> we're, we're adults. We're married. We want children. Let's do it, which is a good thing mm-hmm. because of those fertility issues. So I'm 28 with four babies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's been beautiful. So that's kind of, I guess, where, where that started. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we got pregnant a few months after we got married. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did that first pregnancy look like? Um, it was the pregnancy that makes you want to not have children anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, uh, I didn't, I didn't have the education I do now. Um, and, uh, I did everything my doctor told me to do. Um, it was a vanishing twin pregnancy too. So we actually saw, we saw that there was a twin. 
on the ultrasound and the next ultrasound, the baby was completely gone. Everything was completely gone. So that was a very strange experience um, mm. because it's essentially a miscarriage, but your body absorbed that baby as well. Um, then also, you know, I listened to everything my doctor had told me and doctors are not inherently bad, but, <laughs> but you should, you should ask questions. Um, mm -hmm. sometimes at least. And, yeah. um, uh, I got really sick, uh, switched a lot of steroids and things because of my asthma. Um, I definitely should have consulted other doctors. Um, and it uh, essentially ended up having my water break at 30 weeks and my baby be a preemie. So that first birth was pretty traumatic. Uh, hmm. but my husband, it's funny because my husband was like, I only want one baby, maybe two. And we go through this crazy pregnancy, lots of appointments, hospitalizations, things like that. And, and we have this preemie and he's like, I want all the babies <laughs> after that. Aww. So, uh, mm -hmm. here we are. <laughs> yeah. Having, having he just fell in love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that normally traumatic experience actually, uh, put us on a path to having even more children, um, mm -hmm. which is awesome. I, I wanted at least three. So, um, so, so what was, I mean, obviously you had a very early laboring experience. What was that first birth actually like? It as wasn't as, like the, the labor and delivery. <clears throat> it wasn't awful. So when your water breaks early, they want to try and get you to 34 weeks. Um, so we did actually make it to 34 weeks, which is mm. amazing. I praise the Lord for that. Um, and, uh, uh, they induce you at that point. Um, and so induction was not great. My body does not like drugs of any kind. Um, <laughs> that mm -hmm. sounded funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, so I reacted negatively to the Pitocin and the baby's heart rate and stuff started dropping. Uh, we did not need a C-section, oxygen, other other. Uh, more drugs um, helped mm. uh, helped regulate things enough that um, that they were able to turn off the pitocin, and I was able to just continue laboring without it. Um, I had the goal of a completely natural birth with that with my first baby. Like I didn't know a whole lot, but I knew certain things I wanted. And for th for an entire month that I was in the hospital, someone came to talk to me daily about getting an epidural because it would be better for the baby i did not i did not know that it was not <laughs> um better mm. for the baby and so you add that those drugs and you add the pitocin and then your blood pressure stuff because that starts going wacky and all these things it just it it we were in the NICU for a couple weeks to get get everything um okay he did have some mm -hmm. issues but um nothing 
nothing too terrible. Um, I guess <laughs> at the time it felt pretty terrible. Um, and, uh, so labor, I mean, it had scary moments, but overall I thought that it was pretty, pretty okay. Pretty good. Like the doctor was even teasing me when it came to time to push the, not to tell other ladies how easy it was to to push him out and that I was laughing and pushing <laughs> um because mm. they'll hate me <laughs> uh, but okay I'm telling the world now <laughs> uh but I mean relatively with all the complications it was pretty easy and he came out breathing on his own looking for milk fairly large which was mostly fluids but um but it it went well. I did tear um during that pregnancy, which is I feel like weird for such a small baby, but when you add all the complications and things that's an, it, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um and they took him right away uh to the NICU and at that time I was not educated on anything. I didn't know that they gave uh, a baby's baths right away or vaccines in the hospital or really anything. Um, and so as I'm going through this, this, uh, you know, they just took my baby. I am learning, oh, well, we did this to your baby and he's doing this now. <laughs> All mm. these different situations oh we had to put an iv now or you know so it was it was it was a lot um mm -hmm. but uh i guess in comparison that's, that's, what i was just gonna say that's pretty wild like i understand that your baby is in the nicu but it's still pretty wild to me that there's no informed consent you know no, because yeah. you are you are the parent you know you are the one who is responsible for that child, that baby. And I mean, obviously it's not like you're going to deny like your baby medical care if they need that, you know, no, <laughs> if it's a necessary nice intervention. <laughs> exactly. Instead of them being like, okay, so we did this and we did this. It's, it To me, that's just wild that they can do that. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty crazy. that. Well, yeah. and then, you know, you don't know about sugar water and why that's used when they're crying you don't know about all these different things that they're doing mm -hmm. now i do now i would do things differently now if i do have to go to the hospital i have a bag <laughs> yeah. of like prepared things but i mean your first birth and you go into trusting your doctors and go into trusting all these things just to later find out that those things were more damaging than than helpful mm. and it's kind of hard like mm -hmm. I learned all of that with my second baby I learned that going to a specialist and things I fought hard <laughs> that um that none of my water didn't need to break at 30 weeks I didn't need to be in the hospital so many different times there were other options um and other forms of care that could have happened i didn't even need to be induced at 34 weeks um that was a that was a very hard thing to learn <laughs> um yeah uh but um 
one thing I am glad that we about the NICU is um, I I was in Portland uh, at the time, so uh, I was with the Legacy Group, and they have a counselor on staff for maternal fetal medicine, and you're able to go see them regularly throughout your pregnancy and postpartum, and so I did that. Just you know, my childhood wasn't great. I want to make sure that I'm mentally healthy all the time. So do regular checkups and things like that. Um, but I thought that was a great tool during pregnancy. And, and it turned out to be a really good thing because um, she came to check on me and sat down with my husband to go over all the postpartum depression questions and things like that. And she found that it was not me struggling, but he was struggling with postpartum depression. And I didn't know that men could even have that, but they do go through hormonal changes and things too. And the trauma is also, was yeah. also his trauma. So, um, yeah. So that was a really cool thing to learn. And there are a lot of resources for that too. Um, mm. and, I now plan for postpartum. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, that's usually how it goes. It's like you you go through your first postpartum or whatever, and you kind of trudge through it and survive. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah. okay, next time we're gonna do things a little differently. <laughs> uh, so that's one thing that I do like to also raise awareness on is preparing for postpartum because, like. I have experience with that. Like, you know, I thought you just have a baby and you're good to go, but no, it's, <laughs> you know, so I'm much more sure... that goes into it. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think that every time, uh, because I'm nine weeks postpartum now and I'm like, why can't I go run a marathon? Not that I would, but you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, there are some women that bounce back, quickly and you know they're out doing their thing and I'm just like I, I'm in awe of those women <laughs> I still think they yes. should be in bed for a month I don't care oh, how yeah. good you feel I think you should be in bed but um but yeah there are some women that just have a baby and they feel like they can take on the world and they go for it and I mean if that's what you want to do <laughs> go for it mama but right um, that is awesome yeah. And you guys are awesome. I am not. So we, so we have had a lot of losses. So after, so that first pregnancy was a twin pregnancy. So there was one. Then we had a chemical in between our first and second. And our second is actually really interesting because it was triplets. And wow. we have never wow. had we don't have family with multiples. We're young. So we got pregnant at 23. Well, I had the baby at 23. I was 22. Um, so, you know, younger. And then my second pregnancy, I think was like 24. I don't know. I can't do math. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I, um, was I thinking, wow, mom, brain, there we go. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, uh, there's no, there's no like real signs or real logical scientific reasons for having multiples. Um, 
either because I know like as you're like older older women having pregnancies and they're they can have higher risk of multiples or um various different things but we didn't have any of those those criteria we didn't meet any of that criteria wow uh my mm-hmm. grammar is very bad <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, but anyway so it was triplets and when i found out i was with a different um a medical group because of my husband's work and um that was horrible uh they we went into the msm in the first before we got pregnant at all planning to to find out to get everything checked out and things because we had then had the twin loss it was a high-risk pregnancy and we had had a chemical pregnancy and we wanted to make sure that we were doing everything we could to have healthy babies um so we had gone through all that and then when we did get pregnant we had we were pregnant with triplets and we go back in and they're like triplets are hard it's a hard pregnancy it's just hard so we would like you to select which babies you would like to keep one or two what yeah and she called me uh she called me even after i dropped their their insurance and switched doctors telling me i needed to come in and select which baby and that they needed to perform this procedure and i was like no if god is going to it you know god gave me these babies if something happens naturally something happens naturally but i'm not going to do that um and so i actually ended up going to several different doctors and midwives trying to find someone who would help me save my babies um and then i finally went back to who i was with with my first pregnancy and um one week everybody was perfect and the next week i go in uh, i even brought a friend because she wanted to see the babies that don't do that don't bring anybody mm-hmm. to your ultrasound that's not your husband uh because you don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen um and uh oh and the sonographer was pregnant too so that was that was a lot to like keep inside and not break everybody <laughs> um mm-hmm. when you go in and two of your babies are not alive anymore um so so after that, we went and met with, you know, because I told you there's that the counselor with that group. We met with the social worker and everyone and talked about what might happen, what what looks like now that that pregnancy is only one living baby. And um, and later, I got a call from their social worker saying how relieved everyone was that that uh the mm-hmm. pregnancy had reduced oh my gosh and i just I said thank you and hung that. up yeah i just said thank wow. you and hung up i didn't know i was i don't think that if i spoke words that were not that they would be very kind <laughs> yeah well i yeah <laughs> i don't blame you oh my gosh yeah. <sighs> like i was walking around around a, a human morgue pretty much is what it felt like 
because to save my second child, I had to carry all three of them until birth. Yeah. And, wow. and, and, uh, and I'm still with this group, right? I still go in for the next appointment and things like that. And now they're pushing progesterone injections and pushing other, other things. And actually progesterone injections are no longer recommended, um, to prevent, uh, uh, your water breaking, P-prong. Um, okay. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of different things that are, some doctors do, some doctors are saying no. There's some articles that say one thing, some that say different. So there's a lot of, a lot of things up in the air. Mm-hmm. But, um, it was, the, I was not reacting well to them, is the point. Um, mm-hmm. some, some people okay but i was not and i um and i fought the doctor on that for a while um and had to go get a second opinion so i then ended up switching doctors and um they're like yeah uh they did a ton of tests ultrasounds all the things they're like yeah there's no reason that you need them there's no reason that you should have had an early baby there's no reason for any of this um so you can just go see a regular ob or midwife and that was a whole situation too because Mm -hmm. i didn't know how to be normal because none of it still was normal none of it still was okay um but i mean that pregnancy went really well aside from the loss um, and even the birth, you know, uh, went really well. Um, I was with a different, a different, uh, OB group. Um, this time I had ended up in Vancouver, Washington. So I left Portland, the Portland group to go to this one. Um, the hospital was really lovely. The doctors were wonderful. Um, they, uh, I ended up getting an epidural this time by choice, an educated choice this time, um, mm-hmm. because I couldn't mentally handle giving birth to three babies and only taking home one. And mm-hmm. I couldn't yeah. handle what that might look like too, because it had been, it had been a few months. Um, so I, you don't know what's going to come. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, uh, it, it was peaceful. I had a doula, uh, when you have in Washington and Oregon, or at least the Southwest Washington and Oregon area, you, um, if you have WIC or low income, you can apply for a free birth and postpartum doula through the doula schools. Um, mm. it's, it's a really awesome program it because they need the hours for for their certifications and you need support (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um so i had a doula who was there um and um my water broke at 39 and 4 it was just it was great it's like god was saying you know what you need a break here's a break Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
uh, it, it, it was great. The hospital was, was nice. Everyone was really caring and, and, uh, uh, I was like, yeah, this is how birth is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my, impl- my placenta was able to be picked up to encapsulate because all the babies had different placentas. So, um, it's not safe to do that if they share a placenta, but usually if you lose one baby that you share a placenta with, you are at risk and will likely lose the other. So, um, that's a whole other situation, but mm-hmm. it's, if you do get to have both baby or if you do get to have that baby, you can't encapsulate that placenta was the point. Um, mm-hmm. So we were able to do that. And I had learned all about that after learning about my husband's postpartum. And I also struggled with breastfeeding during the NICU time uh, with my first and things like that. So I was, I was on it. I was like, anything I can get milk out of, like <laughs> anything mm-hmm. I can help everybody do um especially at such a sensitive time um so uh that that was actually really wonderful because i wanted to see my babies and the hospital Mm -hmm. wouldn't let me they said oh they're too small or or no it's it there's nothing that we can test and there you know and that was not true um, they just didn't feel like <laughs> going through and separating things. So, um, so how far along were you when you lost those two babies? Like what, how big were they as in gestational age when they actually uh, passed? 16 weeks. Oh, wow. So that, that would be a, yeah, that's a, a size little, little baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, wow. So they actually, they didn't, they didn't take them off or anything. They sent the babies, their placentas and my baby's placenta to the encapsule, encapsulator. Um, they, they let her pick it all up. <laughs> um, yeah, which I'm sure was traumatizing for her. <laughs> I could only imagine opening that bag to start this new mom's placenta and being like, Oh, okay. There are babies in here. (laughs) Oh my Um, goodness. But she, she was amazing. Um, uh, she, I don't even know. I don't think there's any way I can ever thank her, but she, cause I, I was really struggling. I was like, I don't, I don't know how I almost wish that God would take, would have taken all of them. And that is a horrible horrible thing to think um but that's where I was like yeah I just wanted them all and um and she she saved the she saved the baby she separated the placentas and things she made prints for me and she asked me if I wanted to see them and she put them in the freezer and and she saved them for me to see and to to be able to put to rest my own way and that wow that was just incredible um and as and she showed me their placentas and how because they were they did not look like 16 week babies 
you know, air shrinks and other things too, but, but they did not. And she showed me and brought me some information about how pregnancies like that progress and things. And the, the babies and their placentas uh, attached to uh, my living son, Luca's placenta, and their nutrients went to his placenta. Uh, it was checked out and it's, it was still safe to use, but, um, but, uh, yeah, they, they get, they gave their little lives to protect his in a way. And, uh, that was beautiful. And there is when I was like, okay, I am okay. Um, so I, yeah, that was that was really a special thing. Uh, That's cool that she had the the um, thought to you know tell you about that, and you know because I'm sure that probably helped you know with yeah you know through your grief of losing them, and then a little bit of closure maybe or yeah, it was really helpful, yeah. and it was it's hard you know you're told that as soon as you see your baby, you love them. And it's like the most magical thing in the world. And this first pregnancy, I have all trauma. And like, is my baby even okay? No time to even think about loving them. <laughs> this second mm. pregnancy, I'm just like, how am I supposed to love you? Because everybody's dying. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then she brings this and this information and these babies and just sits with me and I was like okay I can have that now um so yeah I've only had trauma so far yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. but I learned a lot I learned a lot about my health I learned a lot about fertility through these those two pregnancies and the losses um and uh i learned we have my husband and i both have a combination of mthfr gene mutation which is um there are different different weight like uh combinations you can have and it does play a role in your fertility along with you know different um, how do you explain something so c complex <laughs> in like a sentence? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. um, it it's it plays a role in all of your health, I guess. Like it it so um so we we work on you know our health, our our diet, our the products we use, the you know all kinds of things to make sure that we can even make a baby um <laughs> uh and then the next pregnancy was another another early chemical pregnancy and we got pregnant again with our third baby and that was our first rainbow baby there was no losses involved there it was one baby mm -hmm. one whole baby <laughs> and that was terrifying <laughs> I guess um because there was no one 
to lose. There was no, there was, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what was up, what was down. Um, I did know a lot more. And so I went into this doctor. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And he's like, okay, we'll talk about it. (laughs) But, (laughs) but he, uh, I really liked this doctor because he, um, he was just kind of straight to the point, quick in and out. Um, you know, with a midwife, you get like an hour of time to talk and to, to like be, but pregnancy and me are not friends. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was nice to just have very frank, quick in and out conversations. This was also during the start of COVID. And so things were starting to shut down. And I actually ended up spending most of my pregnancy appointments on the phone. You know, you can't bring children now and have to wear masks and all these things. And so it was, they, they let you do things on the phone. So I, I pretty much got all I wanted. No, no tests other than basic necessities. No, no, uh, no one bothered me about, uh, anything I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want to do, um, the flu shot or, or the, any of those things, um, especially with the gene mutation that I now was aware of, um, because that adds a whole other complicated situation there. And I didn't want, um, too many ultrasounds and I didn't, you know, there was just so many things and I was granted that. It was, it was great because I didn't have to, I could treat my asthma with, with herbs and essential oils and teas and things. I didn't have to be nagged about anything. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but that, uh, but that pregnancy ended up being really hard because, um, I have SPD, which is, uh, uh, big words I don't know how to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> essentially, your pelvis separates. Um, and because uh, it's like, oh, you're pregnant. We know what to do. Let's open. Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, the one time you don't want to be an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's really painful. And in Washington and Oregon, it, it gets pretty cold. Um, the pressure from like the rain and things like it's just not fun. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was super painful. And because of the time, I couldn't even go into a chiropractor or physical therapy or anything like nobody will take your kids because, oh, my gosh, they, you know, you don't know. And kids are always there's always something teething, runny nose like there's always something. Yeah. So, so uh, I just. I just stuck it out at home and, um, it was really hard. I actually asked to be induced this time. I was four centimeters having prodromal labor, you know, like I just, I just couldn't handle the pain anymore and I couldn't even take care of the kids. So I, um, sent the kids to a friend and gave in and I was like, okay, can you induce me? 
Um, and my doctor's pretty chill and he's like, yeah. Um, and I, I, I told them, I told them what I was worried about and things. And we made a contract. Those contracts are garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody pays attention to them. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Are you talking about like a birth plan? Like, no. So apparently, which I didn't know this was the first, you know, apparently you can go in and if you ask for an elective, uh, induction, you fill out a contract about, how to be induced, what procedures will be done. Um, uh, it's signed by your doctor, by you. You know, you come up with it with them. And, uh, yeah, nobody followed that at all. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was supposed to go in because I was already, you know, having the prodromal labor. So I was always, already actively contracting. I was already dilated a four, cent, four and a half, four centimeters, somewhere in there. And, um, He's like, okay, I just go in. We're going to break your water and let labor progress naturally. And that's all we're going to do. I go in and they say, oh, well, you're already having attractions. And I'm like, yeah, I know. This is not new. (laughs) (laughs) It's my body. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I mean, okay. Um, You know, we get through all the pleasantries of the, they do the COVID tests in the hospital there for, at that time, they did, you know, all of your vitals, all the, the monitors, all the things. Um, and then I, I choose not to do, um, the infant hat or the, the eye ointment. I don't, I didn't do any of those things and have a checkup with our pediatrician after birth. Um, that's just, you know, what we prefer. And, um, my nurse was not having that. She turned Mm. the heat up to 80 and (laughs) said that because I refused that, that we could not turn it down because if the baby comes, the baby will be cold. Um, Oh my goodness. (laughs) So I'm laboring Uh. in this sauna. (laughs) Um, and any laboring woman knows you're hot already. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, so, so that was an argument I couldn't even fight because I couldn't get up <laughs> uh, because of that that pain, that SPD pain, and that was that was way more painful than birth. But um, uh, uh, so there, so that was the start of the fun with my nurse. Um. <laughs> And, uh, um, they decided that they were doing Pitocin, even though I mentioned the contract, I mentioned what I, uh, that I do not want that. I, I was like, you know, we don't have to do this. (laughs) Um, but, uh, um, they started Pitocin and it didn't work very well. Just like the first time, um, uh, so they had to stop it, and then labor was too long, and they broke my water, even though I told them not to, and I told them I was scared. I was scared. I didn't want them to do it at that point. Like I wanted, that was not the plan. The plan wasn't to do all of these things and get to get further, and then, you know, um, 
So there was a lot of liberties taken by everyone. I ended up asking for asking for an epidural this time, which sucked. Uh, it did not work at all, and I told them that. And they just kept putting medication into my IVs and not explaining or telling me what it was. And then my blood pressure dropped, and then they gave me more medication. And it was just constant fighting and active labor. <laughs> um, uh, it is a very hard thing to do because you're screaming at them, just help me. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do what we want to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh so that's what I learned that I needed to educate my husband as educated as I was because you are not able to fight for yourself when you're in active labor. Okay. Um <laughs> you're just not. <laughs> uh so we get to eight centimeters with that pregnancy or with that baby, with my third baby, and um uh the doctor breaks my water and and uh i'm like he's coming like now he's co he's coming out and i'm on my side um and they're like no he's not you're at eight centimeters and we just broke your water i'm like you broke my water he's coming out <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so uh uh i'm yelling my husband's coming towards the bed we had a doula, but she had left for a large portion of of the birth or the labor, so um, she wasn't there to help fight all those things. Um, but she was there. She had just shown up shortly before they broke my water, and um, she comes up towards the bed, and they're like, "The baby is <laughs> he's coming out," um, uh, and. Uh, then the doctor looks over and they start flipping me and I have SPD. My pelvis uh -huh. is already unstable and I'm, there's a baby coming out <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and my doula's holding my leg and my husband's right there and the baby's coming out and they're starting to, to flip me around while this is all happening. And that, that was horrible. I couldn't pick up my baby for two months. Like, did they did they say why they were doing that or they said that the, the cord was they said the cord was wrapped around his neck and they needed to turn me and first of all the the position that how far he was out it was like the the half of his head you wouldn't have been able to see the cord anyway second a cord being wrapped around the neck is a normal part it, it's a it's a variation of normal Yes, yes there yes there are instances that it can be an issue but it's not often and it, it's it you know when it's an issue like i'm hooked yeah. up to all these monitors his heart rate's fine like you would know if it was an issue um yeah. and it was not they just wanted it to be easier for them <laughs> um mm -hmm. and actually knocked my doula into a wall one of the doctors slammed her into the wall because she was 
she was listening to me and holding my leg the way I, I needed it held. Someone literally just needed to catch this baby. Like he was coming. Mm. <laughs> um, and, uh, like he was like halfway. He was almost all the way out when they got me onto my back. Um, and then he was out as soon as I was flat. So, um, Thank God that that went fine, but he was, he, I tore, I had a second degree tear with, with him. I'm glad it was only second degree because I was not ready for him to come out. And as soon as my water broke, he came out. Um, and, uh, then, um, and he was big, he was a big baby. And I did do all the tests for that stuff with this baby, even though I didn't want to. Um, I did do the glucose test. There was no, I had no diabetes, no hypertension, no nothing. Um, there was no reason for him to be so big. So I was slightly terrified to have future children. <laughs> he was, he was, he was just about 10 pounds. Like, um, wow. and, and, and 23 and a half inches, like he was huge. He was like a grown child. Like, wow. <laughs> we came. So how far home. along were you then when you got induced? Uh, I was 39 and six. He was born at wow. 39 and six. Yeah. So basically on his due date and he was that big. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's a big boy. I know. Um, I was terrified. I was like, no wonder the SPD was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, and that was really, that was, I mean, that whole experience was awful. They, they even gave me, um, they even had put fentanyl in my IV at one point during that labor because I was screaming at them <laughs> so much at the, like the nurse, once they did that epidural, wouldn't let me get up and would push me back on the bed. Um, the I was just angry. I was so angry that I couldn't move. I was so angry that nobody was listening to me. And then she just, she, she put that in my IV um, without consent. Wow. Um, oh and, uh, so then after birth, the, the pediatric nurse was like, do we need to do a clean catch? And my nurse, um, and I could hear this conversation, um, was like no she's never she's never done drugs before very clearly and they were making fun of my reaction to the fentanyl like um yeah that was lovely um uh and i would definitely never do drugs now like <laughs> uh, that didn't take away the pain it just made me freak out a little bit um uh and then, um, so he's out, uh, they put him on my chest and the doctor starts poking my placenta and I'm like, my placenta was at the top of my uterus. So if you're able to poke it, why are you doing that? Like, <laughs> uh, don't like stop touching. I, I, I kept asking what, what they were doing and things and, um, uh, they would not answer me. <laughs> so, mm. uh, that was also fun. <laughs> um, Ugh. then the placenta is born and the doctor 
tells me I have a tear and that she's going to stitch it up. And I'm like, okay. And she starts stitching without anesthesia. Oh, no. (laughs) And I told her, please stop. Please give me something that hurts. Like, I'm saying these things. She's like, no, it doesn't. You had an epidural. What? And I'm like, oh my word. My epidural did not work. I felt all of these things that you not hear me screaming when he was coming out. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, this whole, and this is the same hospital as I had my second. And I come in there thinking it's going to be great, just like that last baby. It was Goodness. horrible from the assault Ugh. to my doula to the to the abuse and then after you know after all the all the things we've done the weight we've done the the newborn check the you know everybody's fine and all the mess is cleaned up and they leave the room right well then you start to feel those afterbirth contractions and they're horrible (laughs) and each kid it gets worse um (laughs) uh uh my my nurse would not even give me Tylenol she she wouldn't bring me water she she was she just didn't agree with with what we wanted for our baby and and uh she refused um uh she even tried to hold us in the hospital for not um for not accepting those vaccines which it's not it's not anything that you have to do and seeing our pediatrician afterwards is fine. And, you know, there, I did it before in no trouble. Um, but, uh, we were discharged at 12 hours because in that hospital at the time with COVID, if you were healthy and your baby was healthy, you could leave at at 12 hours postpartum. So we were discharged by my doctor and by the pediatrician. Well, she held us for until, so 12 hours was noon because he was born at 12.30 p.m. A.M.? A.M. I get confused. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it was nighttime, but morning time. <laughs> uh, so um, so 12.30 p.m. in the afternoon, we were discharged. And she held us until 3 or 4. And the pediatrician actually came and apologized. Um. First of all, how I had this nurse twice was was just absurd. And second, um, he apologized. He said, I know that if you're making this choice, that you've done a lot of research. My mom didn't vaccinate us as children either. Um, I am so sorry, and you guys can leave. And so we were able to leave then. Um, but... Uh, that, yeah, so that, so you had the pediatrician signed off, your doctor mm-hmm. signed off, but it was just this nurse that was like on a power trip and yeah. wanted to keep you for some Yeah, she she would not reason. give us the discharge paper. She wouldn't let us leave. They have to do a car seat check, make sure your baby can fit in the car seat. Um and it's it's all the right way or whatever. Um there was also the last set of vitals, and she wouldn't do any of them. She wouldn't do anything. She wouldn't come to the room. We called multiple times, asked to speak to the charge nurse. Nothing. Oh, I just, yep. I, 
I can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it uh, was, uh, pretty awful. Um, and, uh, uh, they, uh, our doctors were cool. Like my OB knew about, knew what I wanted and was like, okay, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'd had him now twice and he was like, yeah, you're a pain. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, but no, she just, she didn't want to, she didn't want to let me be the mom. Um, oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, um, that, that also, actually that was super dangerous in a way because I had also noticed that he had a tie, a tongue tie really bad and I needed it. I needed a lactation consultant and she refused to let me see lactation too or anybody else other than her. She said, Oh, I'm a lactation nurse and he's fine. But I knew he was not fine. Um, so I did call, like, I did call our doctor in the hospital too. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I need help. <laughs> um, wow. so either way we were getting out of there. Um, uh, and his ties, you know, tongue ties, the other two had ties, but they were, they were able to nurse and sleep and swallow and, you know, be normal babies. This baby, he just came out a mess, huge baby. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and his ties were so bad that he ended up with two revisions over his first six months of life. Um, the first was done in the doc with, with the doctor, our doctor, um, I miss our doctor. <laughs> we moved to Texas. And so, um, <laughs> you know, it's a little hard to, to travel to, to Washington for, for a doctor's appointment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, he's also a midwife. She is a naturopath and a midwife. And then there was another midwife that worked in the office. And, um, the other midwife was trained to do the revision with scissors. And so they did that in the office and for a little while he did really, he did better, but it was so, it was, it was so bad and not, you know, they're little, it's hard to, it's hard to get in there. I don't even think if it was done by a dentist that with a laser that it would have been any different situation. But as he grew, um, more problems started coming up. So he struggled with growth and getting enough milk and, of course, that affected our latch and, um, and he eventually had issues even laying down. He would start to asphyxiate and it, it was terrifying. I am now very educated on ties. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because that, that was, I can't catch a break, can I? <laughs> that was that was really scary, and um, uh, so he had his second revision, and and he's been he's been great ever since. But but still, like that was that was a lot, and a lot that could have been started. That journey could have started at birth instead of you know significantly later. Um, so. Definitely, you can, you can change your nurses, generally. 
usually you can <laughs> yeah you i was gonna mention that advocate. i was like yeah. wondering yeah, yeah if you knew that at the time like did you I know did. that you we, could ask for a new nurse or we did uh we did ask um and i mean during the time i'm feels so weird saying in that time you know mm -hmm. but with covid there was less nurses there was less things and they just wow. didn't switch her they they didn't give us anybody else the charge nurse wasn't responding to us either um i should have asked for a hospital advocate that's something you can do and you should do or call in, you know, the head of the hospital. My OB was actually the head of the maternity department. So I should have called him. There's a lot of should have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because I know he didn't know what was happening with his hospitalist. But, uh, but yeah, there, there's more to it that you can do. Um, I definitely think that you should have that information before you go in. So like in your birth plan, no, ask for a charge nurse, ask for a hospital advocate, ask for, you know, these things listed. If you're ignored that way, you don't have to think about it. It's right there on a paper that you can see yeah. or your husband or your partner or whoever's with you can see and can be like, okay, this is the next step that we need. You're not listening. We need this next person now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because my poor husband, like, he's only had traumatic things. And then this is, you know, all kinds of crazy. And after birth, he he holds that baby and sees they're okay. And he just goes to sleep. Like, he just shuts down. Um, And so... uh. You definitely, you know, if you have a husband who struggles with postpartum, you need to have some support or somebody who can help you fight people <laughs> because it yeah. is not easy. It's not easy to be, <sighs> to be in labor. It's not easy to be bleeding after labor and have this baby screaming and you know it needs something, but you don't know what it is. And mm -hmm. you could have a million babies, but each baby's different. So <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it's... <laughs> It's, uh, you definitely, things I've learned, I guess. <laughs> and make sure you have all the, all the things set up. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was my third baby, and a uh, living baby. And he, goodness, taught me a lot there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I knew I didn't want to go back to a hospital then, and I had only gotten more afraid of, of, of the doctor and things like that. And since my first baby, I started educating myself. I started taking classes and, um, doing certi certification courses and different things. I have education on, on goodness uh lack a lot on lactation a lot <laughs> um because with my first baby i was told well some women can't breastfeed i did not accept that because when that is true some women have autoimmune disease or some like have had cancer something that inhibits them from breastfeeding but it is not common 
Um, and it's definitely not as common as they tell you it is. Uh, so I worked very hard to learn everything I could learn to be able to feed him because I felt so guilty that, that he was early. And then I felt guilty with my second that I couldn't keep the babies alive. And then I felt guilty with my third because he had all these struggles. And so I fought so hard for, for the one thing I could control. Um, so I have a lot of education on that. Um, and, uh, started working, uh, with my naturopath and with the local apothecary to learn about herbalism and all kinds of things. Um, so I do a lot of, a lot of our care at home, but, uh, by the time I was able to process that last birth and recover enough that I could even hold my baby because I couldn't, because of the damage of moving me around and pushing me down and all of that, I could not walk well enough to without help. I had uh, those student doulas. Well, I had a revolving door of them <laughs> because mm-hmm. I could not, I couldn't take care of the kids. I couldn't carry my baby. I couldn't they had hurt me so much you can paralyze someone with spd it has happened and it can happen um it's important that you learn birth positions and and learn your limits because because of that um it's not very common usually you recover but it can happen um i was not paralyzed i am not paralyzed um I, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't even hold my baby sitting very well for, for about two months. Um, Goodness. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awful. Uh, but I'm really grateful that we are okay, that we had help. Um, and I did take a lot of time and start learning even more, more about more about fertility, more about birth and options and how to help my husband be a good birth partner and prepare more for, because we knew we weren't done. I, and, um, even with the losses, we knew we weren't done. And so I, I did that and I thought I was prepared for this baby that we're here to talk about. I thought I was. <laughs> and then we moved to Texas. <laughs> I say that like I don't like Texas. I do. <laughs> it's, it's just you move to a new place. You don't have things. And it's a crazy time and history. And, <laughs> you know, you just put yeah. all the things in a bucket and shake it up. <laughs> um, so, uh. So when we did move, he was six months old. Um, so we ended up, his second revision was done here in, in Texas. Um, and, uh, and that doctor taught me a lot about, about ties. So that was cool. Um, and then we, we like our, we like the about 20 month gap. So eventually we get settled and start, um, start trying, 
uh, we had a chemical pregnancy and then I got really sick. Uh, uh, I, I did end up with COVID pneumonia. Um, and that was scary because, well, we don't, we don't vaccinate. And so, um, the hospital that I had gone to had told me to go home (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't have that. Um, and, uh, refused to, to treat, to treat me. So that was, uh, terrifying because my oxygen got to sixties. Um, but after recovering from all that crazy, finding a doctor to help with that, things like that, um, we got pregnant again. And, um, honestly, my body was not ready for a baby. And that is likely what happened. But we got pregnant with twins. And, um, I found a midwife. Um, and we lost those babies. That was the first miscarriage that was, uh, not a chemical pregnancy. Uh, so, you know, a little more detail there. Um, that was really hard because, you know, we are, we're still new to the area, new to, at the time, we, um, I, I had this midwife, but she, um, she didn't have a ton of education in, in loss and, and stuff like that. She's mostly, you know, baby comes out, there's a healthy baby, we're good type thing, transfer for everything else. Um, but she was recommended because in the community that's more natural, she's, she's going to let you do more of what you want to do. Um, and go to tinctures and things first. And so that's, that's why I chose her. And she was also a Christian, which was really something I wanted in my birth team. Um, and, uh, and she's great. She's, she's great. I'm not, I'm not saying she's not, it's just, uh, when you have someone who experiences loss a lot, it, it's hard, uh, if you don't know how to handle the after stuff. And she, she kept telling me to, oh, well, what happened was, I, the miscarriage started over Thanksgiving, a little, the, that week. And, um, I got it confirmed and everything. And I wasn't, I wasn't losing them. It was just spotting here and there. Um, and so eventually I, I, you know, I asked her about doing some teas and tinctures to progress that um and I did and it was fine they're not anything that would have caused any issues but miscarriage in general is an issue um <laughs> and uh I uh I I passed the babies um they were eight weeks so it's a little more than in that first four to five when you have a chemical pregnancy and you get the positive test and then 
And then there's not fun after that. But, um, uh, and, and so everything passed, everything was there. I sent pictures, you know, made sure, made sure everything looked normal. Um, that sounds weird talking about loss, looking normal. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but you know, everything was okay. My husband had a lot of pressure at work, so he felt like he had to leave. Um, and that's an important thing for this next chapter because, uh, because I was really upset. I'm like, I'm literally bleeding and losing our babies and you're leaving me to go to work. (laughs) Uh, so that, that was, that was a big thing, but, um, so he left and he ended up that day working. Um, he works with hydraulics and things. So he was out on a big machine, like a bazillion feet in the air or something. And so it's not like he could have even just come home. Um, but, uh, I started to like pass out a little bit, <laughs> uh, or start to. Um, and so I was talking to the midwife and that's, that's the part that I was trying to get to earlier. Um, I was talking to her and she's like, take shepherd's purse, take shepherd's purse. Um, and I told her, but I'm not bleeding. Like I'm not, I'm not having a hemorrhage. I, I have a little bit of, of, but it's a normal amount. I don't, you know, like I don't know what's wrong and I can't leave my kids and I can't, and I, I, driving at that point would have been dangerous anyway. Um, I don't know what to do. And she just kept telling me to do that. Um, well, I'm really glad I didn't, (laughs) I didn't listen because that could have led to other complications. Um, so what I did instead was, um, I texted a couple friends and that midwife that did my son's tongue tie revision in Washington. Now, she is also the midwife that taught me all kinds of things, like I didn't need to be induced at 34 weeks, how to strengthen my waters so that they don't break on there too early. She taught me all kinds of beautiful things. She is such a beautiful person. And I texted her telling her what happened and what was going on. And she's like, take 30,000 UI of vitamin D right now. And I looked at the text for a long time because I was like, that's a lot of vitamin D. I live in Texas. Like, I don't need vitamin D. Um, And then I did it. And within 30 minutes, I was fine. Wow. Yeah. So something, something in there with losing blood and I mean I had been bleeding technically for a couple weeks um so so something with losing those nutrients or whatever she knew what to do and she knew it was not from everything I was saying she knew it was not a hemorrhage (laughs) um so I am really grateful and I'm really grateful she picks up her phone (laughs) um if you need a midwife in Washington she's 
she's extremely educated traditional midwife um uh and um i'll give you everybody's resource information later um but uh uh yeah so i was okay lots of chlorophyll and floridex and stuff on board to help get that iron level back and everything and and i recovered from that um but I was really sad and really hurt by my husband leaving and really just struggling. And so, you know, I've never gotten pregnant after a miscarriage, like right away. It's always been a couple months at least. And I was sad. <laughs> um, so we were just comforting each other. I didn't think I could get pregnant. But also, this was over a year after my last baby, after my third baby, so I couldn't take his placenta to regulate hormones anymore because it's not recommended to use your placenta and ca placenta capsules after 12 months. Um, you can use tincture forever, but I'm saving that for menopause. <laughs> also, I really don't want to take it if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh so I got the brilliant idea to take um Vitex, which is a very strong um uh supplement that that uh helps regulate those hormones. It what does it do? It cleanses the liver, I believe, and helps with progesterone and estrogen production. Basically, will get you super pregnant super fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that it did. <laughs> I didn't even have a period. My friend came over and we're like, we're, uh, you know, it's the end of December. I had, I completed the miscarriage early like that first week of December it's the end of December and our husbands are hanging out our kids are playing we're hanging out and she's like let's have a glass of wine um and then she's like girl you better go take a pregnancy test before we drink this wine <laughs> and I was like oh I'm fine like I'm not pregnant and I took a test and I took a test anyway because you know we were comforting each other. Um, and uh, uh, it didn't look positive, but it didn't look negative. But I was like, you know, I had a miscarriage. I completed a miscarriage earlier this month. It's probably just looks not 100% either way because of that. And also EVAP lines or whatever. You know, all the excuses are in my head. It's okay with only a glass of wine. But <laughs> only one glass. But, um uh, you know, we hung out and stuff, and then I kept thinking about it because because you do. You just think about it. And so I took another test, and, um, yeah, before December was over, I had a positive pregnancy test. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and I was not ready for that. <laughs> but th that is the start of... uh. That is where this birth journey started, this free birth journey. 
And that's going to conclude part one of Rosalia's birth journey. Be sure to join us next week to hear part two. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast and you can connect with us on social media at birth journeys podcast. For more information or to share your own story, please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.